welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wound Pickups. Hey, it's me, Todd Novak. Pleased to have you here. We are glad to be talking about guitars and gear and all kinds of awesomeness in that world. On the line, we have a very special guest. David Young, president of Warehouse Guitar Speakers, and John Sanchez, our head of brand development and OEM sales. Awesome, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, you bet. We, where are you calling from? Paducah, I, Kentucky. I am in Portland, Oregon. Excellent. Portland and Kentucky and Ohio triangulating across the interwebs <laughs> to bring you fantastic <laughs> guitar content. It's worth it. Yes, it is. So strap in, everybody. We're going to be talking about... Guitar Speakers, working title, Guitar Speakers 101. And the goal of our interview today, we're going to be hearing from these uh, two gentlemen from Warehouse Guitar Speakers because they're experts in guitar speakers, and most of us are not. So we're going to hopefully get all kinds of questions answered and learn a whole bunch of things so that when we go out and start looking around for replacement speakers or uh, trying to get a new sound, building a new cabinet, or what have you, you are well-informed and can make awesome speaker decisions for radical tone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's cover off just a, a couple things real quick. Jared, I, th- I think you have something that you yeah, need to... Yeah, I... Uh... I just want to let everybody know out there, if you dig what we're doing here on the Guitar Knobs, you can show us by becoming a patron on Patreon.com. For less than the cost of a few donuts, you can help keep this podcast moving forward. And if you're feeling a bit more robust, you can support us at a higher level. Just think, for the same cost of a dozen donuts, you can <laughs> you can get one of our super cool guitar knob shirts as well. That's a dozen a day for Jared. Uh, I wish, but I, I, I could easily do that. If you would like to support our show, excuse me, patreon.com slash the guitar knobs. We appreciate you sharing in our podcast experience and for your continued support. You read that like an absolute pro. I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> Trip over my words and all that kind of thing. I felt I like that do. was a professional uh, level commercial right there. That was that was awesome, man. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. You should hear him play piano. So. <laughs> what? I don't know. That's actually from a, it's one of my favorite quotes. I think I'm going to end up getting tattooed at some point because uh, I sing in a couple bands and uh, I have uh, I have an affinity for some of the Smiths lyrics and I've never fancied myself as a singer, but I get told every once in a while I'm okay at it. So I thought, you know, somewhere along the lines, having uh, having uh, the lines, I know, you know, the, the line from the actual song is, I know you and you cannot sing and he says, that's nothing you should hear me play piano. I love that. I think it's fantastic. What's it from? <laughs> that's from Queen is Dead. Oh. Anyways, tally-ho. <laughs> <laughs> Segway into guitar stuff, reality speaking. All right, let's talk about what we did in our guitar worlds this week, gentlemen. How about we start with David? What's going on in your guitar world? Well, the, uh, the thing that's going on in our guitar world is we're working on our all pedal website. So a lot of people don't know, but we don't just make guitar speakers. We actually are an OEM manufacturer of guitar pedals and we're working on adding a shopping cart so that uh, all the DIY guys have access to all the just 
potentiometers, enclosures, all the raw parts that they need to repair or build their own pedal. Uh, we're working on that shopping cart feature. That's Ooh. awesome. I love building pedals myself in a very DIY fashion. Actually, yeah. I have one on the desk right now. Ooh. Are you going to be doing kits or anything? You know, I've I've really considered it. Um, and so when when the shopping cart is live, there won't be any kits to that day. Mm-hmm. But in the future, it's, it's a strong possibility. Cool. So it's something that's going to potentially grow and grow and grow. Right, More right. Parts. It's basically, you know, we've got tens of thousands of parts that that we uh, use for all these different boutique guys. And there's no reason that we can't offer the bulk savings that we have on this stuff to the DIY guys. That's awesome. Uh, It's good to have good options out there too. I I mean, I know that there's a couple suppliers that are are pretty solid, but sometimes, you know, not everybody carries everything. So it's, uh, it's good to be able to have those options. Jared, what's going on in yours? Well, if you guys listen to all the podcasts out there, listeners, uh, our last episode was all about uh, True Tone and isolated power and the advantages of all that. So I was so <clears throat> I was so thrilled and and happy and and enthusiastic about it. I went ahead and purchased uh, one of their the products. One, one it, Spot 12, right? Yeah, it was a CS12, yeah. the One Spot 12. And I have all the power things used up already. So everything's set up now. Um, all, the, all the power outlets are used up except for, I think, like the 18-volt, the 800 milliamp. I'm not using that. I don't yeah. know what the heck I'd use that for. And then the two... Uh, well, that would be for like a Strymon or something like that, like oh, a, a, okay. a big, a big monster digital pedal. I don't have a big monster digital, so and then two other ones that are really weird. So this thing's got a, millions of little options on it. It's it's got the dead battery type of thing, the four volt option. Right. It's, it's got everything. Plenty. It comes with plenty of uh, cords, um, and you can switch the cords around. Like my Electro Harmonics Reverb pedal that had a big old. A power supply and it had the the quarter inch uh small jack you know the quarter inch male jack instead of the regular power thing Mm -hmm. well this came with an adapter for that so i i don't have to you know take up another power uh power spot in the outlet so awesome really happy with that product man good and you can daisy chain some of your analogs ones as within that as well you i can i i don't i didn't need to but uh yeah, I still have that daisy chain from the Boss rig. I still, yeah. Actually, I set the, I set the unit, the new unit, right on top of that Boss thing, and I still have the pedals sitting on, <laughs> sitting on yeah, that. We're thing, gonna get so. you into a, a proper board, a big old board. Yeah. I might make my own. That's a good idea. So. Uh, let's see. Let's go to John. Uh, well, next year we're going to be celebrating our 10-year anniversary, and to complement that, we have a lot of new products that are in development, so I've been evaluating samples. Um, I purchased, actually, Sam Ash was blowing out these Gibson, um, the Les Paul double cutaway specials with the, uh, with the G-Force tuners, mm-hmm. and the price was just too much to, to, to pass, so I pulled the trigger, 
And I, I you know, but while I was in transit, I kept seeing all the hate for the uh, for the G Force tuners. And unfortunately, I gotta I gotta cast my vote on that side <laughs> yeah. sure. of the longevity and the real purpose of having a motorized tuning component on on the instrument. It's 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 really quirky. Um, and I have no problem tuning the old-fashioned way, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know how, how you guys feel, but I, I feel good with the the, the old-school style of tuning my instrument. <laughs> I don't. I don't need another robot. No, <laughs> I, I, no, I I feel that if you're a musician, I I believe you should be able to, you know, to a certain ex, to a certain extent, you should be able to know how to uh, you know how to operate the guitar and and do some light maintenance. That's yeah. how I feel about it. I mean, I guess if you are somebody who's going in and out of uh, alternate tunings, if you're doing a lot of drop D, or me crazy more than chords, that, I mean, all kinds of all kinds open of open G. But but see, I don't know. I'm sure somebody's got a use for them out there because I doubt that they would have made that product if it, if it wasn't being asked for, especially you know. in a live yeah, setting. Yeah, right. And and a motorized part, which you know, there's. There's obsolescence in there somewhere. It's, it's going to wear out at some point, and is it going to wear out in the middle of a gig and right. in a recording session? And you know, with alternate tunings, usually you 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 want to have a, a certain string gauge to complement that tuning to give you exactly uh, the need. And when the guitar shifts with nine gauge, I mean, you're only going to do so many alternate tunings. Sure. Yeah. Innovation, you know, it's it's better than than, than nothing. So we'll we'll see where it goes. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're talking about them. So I guess mission accomplished to certain degree. <laughs> uh as for me i what do you have in your hands i got a brand new pedal which i'm like over the moon about right now i had spent about the better part of about eight hours searching for the right fuzz pedal what i want is i I probably will end up with a couple fuzz pedals obviously i've bought i've had some i've gotten rid of some and everything but I, i was chasing a very very specific one that i that i couldn't put my finger on and then I'm also trying to sort out price and, you know, I'm on a limited budget, so I can't spend like $300 on an awesome fuzz pedal. I want to, sorry, can't. But ultimately, I picked this one and I am completely sold on this pedal and will probably buy a few more of them from her. This is a Devi Ever Torn's Peaker. Oh, yeah. Get it like Torn's Peaker. Yeah, she's she's a Portland builder, yeah. She makes such a wicked great product. And I dug a little bit into like, you know, her her presence online and everything, and I definitely want her on as a guest. So Debbie, if you're out there listening, please get in touch with me. I, I sent her a note. I'm sure she's very, very busy, but I love this. I absolutely love it. It is exactly the thing that I wanted for my new band, and it's well built and it sounds amazing. And Amen. she signed it on the inside too, which is really cool. You know, Ooh. it's a nice little touch. We've spoken many times about the the notion of having uh, things that that are signature in our life. Um, you know, like that that you know I've said it before. It's a, it's a fingerprint from somebody else. It's not you know boss pedals are great, but guess what. You know, every one of them is identical to the one in the, of that model. Exactly, and if if you buy a set of pickups for me, like some humbuckers, you will you will literally get my fingerprint on the bottom of that humbucker. Are you gonna pay me for that plug? <laughs> Holy moly! Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, oh, I already paid you on my way in. Um, 
Anyways, so yeah, <laughs> if if you're not familiar with Devi Ever, she basically she her her uh, website is fuzzgoddess.com. So she pretty much only makes delays. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she basically only makes fuzzes. She makes a couple other pedals, but she does fuzz so well. I love it. I love it. I love it. And um, I'm going to get some more. They've, they've, there's a couple more that I'm after. And they're super affordable. But anyways. Okay. Well, that's awesome. That's a whole lot of goodness oh, yeah. going on in our lives, in our guitar worlds. Just really quickly, I also briefly want to mention, if you are listening to this podcast on iTunes, it would mean an awful lot to me if you went in there and gave us a multi-star rating. I know that we have a lot of downloads and we have not a lot of ratings. I don't need a ton, but if you have the time, it would mean a lot to me and it would help us uh, get our get our podcast up there in the search. Also want to mention that uh, Alchemy Audio Gear Swap at Fort Knox Studios is coming up in Chicago October 15th. I know that is very regional <laughs> and I'm not typically in the business of talking about super regional things if I can help it. But because we're going to be there, I feel like we should mention it and it's going to be super fun. All kinds of dealers and individuals buying, selling and trading a vast array of musical instruments, gear records and other cool ephemera. Uh, we're going to, they're going to have local coffee, free beer samples from Maplewood Brewing and Distillery, food trucks, live music, raffle giveaways, and more. I don't know about you, but that sounds like my jam, man. It's going to be super coffee, fun. Free beer. And you can meet the knobs. Yeah. And and Johnny Ballmer from uh, Alchemy Audio, yeah. who's awesome. And many more. Okay. So anyways, that's all the business. Let's get down to business. Let's do it. Let's see here. Now, I'm not going to lie to you all and pretend that I don't have... A, a couple pieces of paper in front of me with a ton of questions. Not the only one. Because it's important, and I want to make sure we cover off as much information as possible so that after this, after you hear this podcast, you don't have to spend hours on the internet trying to figure out how to buy a new speaker for your cabinet. I hope we succeed. Okay. Yep. Warehouse guitar speakers. Guys. Yes, sir. I contacted you. Because, well, you're not too far away from us, number one. So I like that. The, 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 whole, the whole, like, you know, keep it semi-local, I suppose. Yeah, you're in Kentucky. One thing that impressed me about your company is that you have a huge array of product. You are clearly authorities in guitar speakers. And we want to make sure that if we're going to talk about this, that we talk to somebody who not only knows just their product, but has an understanding of the whole landscape. And I say that addressing you guys because I know that a lot of the speakers that you have are modeled after ones that we are familiar with. Not all of them, but several of them, or, or certainly the, the general characteristics of ones that we know. And in order to do that, you have to have a very good understanding of how to get there. Definitely. We didn't, we didn't come out of uh, left field and, and try to design a speaker that, you know, nobody's ever heard of or, or knows what to reference it against. You know, we, uh, we came out with some speaker designs that would be understandable to the average player. Right. And you have a fantastic website, which is? WGSUSA.com. 
WGSUSA.com. I spend a lot of time on websites, and I know that everybody's like, everybody spends a lot of time on websites. I actually do that for my career too, so I know good websites when I see them, and you guys have a really solid website, and I appreciate that as a consumer, uh, being able to get to information clearly, being able to navigate clearly, making sure that I feel like I really want to buy the stuff that's on that site. You guys are doing a good job of compelling me to do that. Thanks. I appreciate that because that's, I, I am the same way when I'm shopping online, you know, I need it to make sense and just flow right. And, you know, we, we spent a lot, we invested a lot into making the site deliver the content that you want and just be simple to get through. Mm-hmm. It is. So why don't you tell me a little, why don't, you, why don't you guys go ahead and give us like an overview of what you're about besides my little blabbering on. You know, the, the main thing we're about is, is making a great product in the United States. Um, you know, we're, we're not, we're not mining the raw material magnets are made of and compressing that material into the, the shape of the magnet here. So a lot of the components, they, they're sourced all over the world. Uh, like our cones for the for the British Voice series, for example, those cones are from one of the best cone suppliers in the world, Kurt Mueller, and and we've chose them because they have the longest track record in the industry for the best British sounding cone there is, and just just providing a product that is as true as it could be to the 60s and the 70s or whatever era we're targeting a specific model for. Uh, that that's our main goal and to, to do it in the States as much as humanly possible. We appreciate that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's big. I think it's important. John, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. You know, so, you know, uh, Bart and, and David brothers, they're, they're, you know, their father started in the industry, you know, 50 years ago. So a lot of people don't know the pedigree that the young family has in this industry. Uh, the father started out in the supply side, selling components to, to a variety of, of, of customers. And as he, as he developed in, uh, in the industry, you know, he, he got a job at CTS was the head of engineering and, and head of sales in, in a very short time. Um, and his career, you know, flourished from there. And, during that time, you know, the brothers, you know, as they got older, they wanted to get involved in the business. And one thing that the father, you know, instilled in them, which is evident in, with, with WGS's approach to building components and, and catering to the diverse user group that we have is deliver on quality, deliver on price and, and do the right thing. And, you know, there was a lot of skepticism on this company when they launched 10 years ago. And here they are 10 years later with with a wealth of components for, for every skill level and every genre of music and just about any budget can can participate in what we offer. That's pretty good. I'll buy that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's a really solid background. I think it's important to understand, you know, I mean, at this podcast, we focus almost expressly on companies with a backstory, companies with a reason for being, uh, ones that have been either, you know, family owned or singularly owned, you know, passion projects. So it's good to know where you're buying your product from and from whom and what their idea is behind the company, not just a nameless, you know, brand. So I, I appreciate you guys sharing that. 
Absolutely. We're not building these things for ourselves. You know, it, it, it's, it's our, our user group, OEM and user that's, that's, that's given us the, the, this company, this life. And, and it's a pleasure to, to, to cater to them. We've got a lot, a lot of new things coming out for, for 2018. Cool. Yeah. You guys can maybe uh, speak to some of those once we get through our 101 here. All right, gentlemen, let's do this. I have a couple setup questions that I want to go through. Then we're going to uh, talk about the anatomy of a speaker, which you wouldn't think that there's that much to until you start looking around on the internet and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know Jack. <laughs> I know what doping is. Yeah. Jared's very proud of that. He's mentioned that a few times. Exactly. Um, then we're going to go through some of the characteristics of a speaker, you know, as in what, you know, what is its personality and how does that become so? And then we're going to uh, cap off with some sort of general follow-up questions. So now you have all that knowledge. How do you put it into action? Sound good? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Great. I think just a very broad question, and we can keep this, you know, keep it relatively brief because we're going to dive in big time in detail soon. But what are a couple of the key factors that determine speaker tone? I'll, I'll take that one. Um, the suspension, super critical. That's It involves so many different components of the speaker to, to make up the suspension, uh, spider stiffness, the edge treatment, cone material, uh, the resonant frequency of the cone, and the, the type of dust cap used to keep it simple. I'll stop there. I'm so excited because I have I have all those written down that we're going to get to. That means I did it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the cool thing is, if I was reading that about a product like, oh, our blah, 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 and our blah, 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 I'd be like, what? Right? So that's why this is going to be so great. Yeah. Okay. So what are, uh, one of the, what's one of the biggest myths or mistakes people make in choosing speakers? Like what's, is there any, you know, I don't know, unicorn dust terms or, you know, that other people use to try to sell you a speaker or, or you know, what, what are some of the, you know, what are, what are some of the myths here or mistakes that we make? Uh, I don't know about uh, a myth of other people selling you a speaker, but um, I would say it, since this is a one-on-one podcast, uh, one, of the, one of the just mistakes you do not want to make is to buy a speaker that's rated for high wattage, high power handling and put it in a low-powered amplifier uh -huh. because – to make a speaker sound like it's supposed to sound, you have to push it and get it into that sweet spot. Uh, right before it sounds like you're going to tear it up, that's the sweet spot. Whoa. Good. So that means I'm, <laughs> I'm, I wonder every time, every once in a while when I'm, when I'm like really, you know, pushing the volume on mine. And uh, that's good to know that that is actually what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. I, that, I've kind of thought that that might be one of the big ones. Like, you know, bigger is better, more is better in most cases. But I think as we go through some of these over the next little bit of time here, we will understand that that is not the case. So let's discuss the anatomy of a speaker, all right? I know that there, if we took a speaker apart, there's, you know, what, five, seven, seven to 10 parts, generally speaking? Yeah, 10 to 12. Okay. I underestimated. So let's get into that. So let's start from the back and work our way all the way up to the front. Um, can you go through some of those, those parts? 
uh, yeah, you've got the T yoke, the magnet, the top plate, the basket, coil, cone, spider. Did I already say spider? Yeah. All well, right. Uh, dust cap, edge treatment. There's there's uh, probably be three or four different adhesives that that we use on any one design okay. uh, because the type of adhesive makes a huge difference in all the different joints. That is something that we will definitely want to hear more about. Let's start with the magnet. That's that's kind of like a big one. I'm going to kind of go through a handful of these so that we have get a better understanding of everything. So the magnet is obviously one of the um, most recognizable parts of a speaker, and some of them are huge and some of them are small. And I I feel like I can attribute it to uh, when you go you get you know your first house or something like that or your first apartment and you switch out your your shower head. And you're just like, oh, I got to have the big giant rain one. And, <laughs> and, and really, a lot of times the little tiny one gives you the most jam. So, um, there, you know, there, there is uh, some, some truth to what you're saying and there's some fiction to what you're saying. So a larger magnet, uh, especially when we're talking about ceramic magnets, usually that's going to give you more low end and tighter low end. Um, but there does reach a point where the – Sometimes manufacturers are just putting a huge magnet on there to make you feel like you're getting more bang for your buck because the ceramic magnets aren't terribly expensive. Uh-huh. So they can right. put a lot of mass and weight in a product uh, and and make you feel like you're buying more. But like I said, if, if you want a certain amount of low end uh, tightness to it, then, then you are going to need a larger magnet physically in dimensions uh, when you're talking about the ceramic material. Okay. Well, that I fell into that trap early on in my guitar life. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that one's big. Um, right. What about, uh, so, you know, you touched on ceramic. What, how about the materials? I know there's, you know, ceramic, there's alnico, and there's neodymium. neodymium. Neodymium, you got it. Yep, there's those three. And, and alnico um, is definitely a premium magnet material. You can tell that if you've ever tried to purchase an alnico speaker. Uh, you have to really pony up some cash for them, and and the reason is the the Alnico material will give you uh, more compression on the top end and and more of a sparkle, generally speaking. So uh, if you're if you're really you're really going for some chime, a lot of times uh, I'll recommend a speaker that has an Alnico magnet. And and then neodymium, that right there, if, if the first person to market that builds uh, a good neodymium speaker that sounds like one of the old school vintage speakers. I mean, that's that's the holy grail. But the magnetic properties and characteristics of the motor, it changes when when you start using these different materials that have different densities. So mm. it hasn't been done yet. It's on anything that's commercially available, in my opinion. But that's not to say it won't be done in sometime in the near future. Well, it's kind of like pickups. Um, pickups, the the Alnico pickups are more of a, a more expensive to make than the ceramic. So Jared builds pickups, just in case you guys didn't know. Right, right. It's also the, it's the alloy. It's you know aluminum, nickel, and cobalt. And right. Cobalt and and nickel. They're they're just every year they're they're going up in price, and obviously the industry feels that as well. So, can you tell me a little bit about voice coils? Uh, the the voice coil is what takes the signal coming in from your guitar and your amplifier and interacts with the invisible magnetic field of the magnet, the T-yoke, and the top plate. Uh, 
those those four components make up your electromagnetic motor. So the voice coil is kind of the start of this the whole suspension system. Okay. Uh, it would be the equivalent, I guess, if we were going to relate it to cars, the fuel injection part okay. of the system. All right. Cool. Uh, and then is there is there huge variance within voice coils, or is it sort of like eh, voice coil is a voice coil? Oh no, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of variation that can uh, that goes into voice coil design that's going to affect your sound because the voice coil is glued to the spider in the cone, and all these different components have their own resonant frequencies, their own flexibility, hardness, and softness. Mm -hmm. So all of that is going to build up into the final tone that you have. Is that something that is, I mean, for lack of better terms, um, a a kind of proprietary part of the speaker, whatever. There is a huge amount of engineering that is hidden away in the specs of a voice coil and the the specs of the electromagnetic motor itself. So just something as simple as how close does the top plate uh, get to the winding on the coil, uh, not only does that affect the direct magnetic uh, strength of the motor, but you're also talking about the air in the gap uh, the, of the electromagnetic motor. So how much back pressure is that voice coil having to move in and out of when it moves in and out of that, that structure? So you mentioned motor a few times. Is that, is that a specific part or is that just sort of the combination of, of some of these parts? Yes, it's a combination. It's a combination of the T-yoke, the magnet, the top plate and the voice coil. Okay, let's see. Uh, we also have heard the spider a few times. Yes, the spider is going to be probably the stiffest, most resistant part of the whole suspension. Um, it's it's the it's the main component when you hear guys talk about breaking in their speaker. One of the main things they're doing is just breaking in the fibers of that spider. Okay. Where is and, that located, essentially? Is that, uh, is that within the cone? Is that behind the cone? It, you can see it on any speaker. It's, it's uh, behind the cone. It's, it's glued to the basket, and okay. it's glued to the voice coil. So it connects those two and keeps, and keeps the voice coil centered in the motor. I see. You, let's, so we're just going to keep rolling with segues here. Basket. What's a basket? The basket is the uh, big metal thing that... Uh, kind of holds the, the cone in, a, in, in like a cradle shape. Kind of okay. like a body. It's the body of this. The chassis. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the chassis. Yeah, it's the chassis. The frame. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what we would see in, in many cases. I think my favorite ones of yours, the orange ones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's essentially what that is, the big metal basket. Right. And so one of our, uh, one of my ideas early on in this is, you know, we could build all these speakers all in the same basket color and save a little bit of money by not powder coating them different colors. Uh But to me, it was important to communicate visually what the (laughs) user might expect to, to hear in sound. And, uh, I I don't remember how we came about that orange, but I do know it's one of my favorite colors as well, because my dad went to university of Tennessee and of course that's, (laughs) that's their color as well. The Vols, is it not? Yep. Yes. Um, well, I just like it for other reasons. <clears throat> just saying. Um, uh, let's see. Cones. 
this is i mean this is this is the part right i mean and, uh there there i could go on for hours on cones probably you know cones are made of paper pulp and and honestly uh i kid you not that that the the trees and the water quality and all of the things that that go into making paper pulp and paper cones is just not what it used to be 50 years ago and that that's that's if you want to get on the microscopic level but on the more macro level of things that we can control today you have to you have to buy cones from a cone company that knows what they're doing right and and that's something that that we just from day one no questions about i mean you pay more for them mm -hmm. but it's totally worth it you're talking about the pulp um when it comes down to like um you know i know that if you look at certain speakers certain feel like they have like you know um almost a, a pattern in them or uh there's there's the wire or ribs that are in them can you talk about like some of the elements of that like thickness consistency is it flat is it smooth is it ribbed is it i mean density i mean yeah yeah all, all of those things the thickness the smoothness the density um, all of that is going to make a, a huge impact on the, the sound quality that you get. Honestly, when it comes to the options that are out there, we, we reach out to the cone manufacturers quite a bit for you know, suggestions they, they can offer from their decades of experience in manufacturing cones. We were fortunate in that my dad actually owned Holly Products uh, for 15 or 20 years, which is the world's oldest paper cone manufacturer. Wow. So a lot of the experience we have with cones was from the family history of manufacturing paper cones. Uh, he, he sold that off in, I think, 1987 when I was, I guess, seven years old. But but it's stayed with us. And, and we've, we've just had lots of sourcing. And, and we know what works and doesn't work. If you're wanting to look at a ribbed cone versus a smooth cone, uh, a lot of times the, the ribbed cone is there to impede the breakup and give you some more headroom. And, uh -huh. and the smooth cone is going to let you just get crazy with the thing and, oh. and have a little break. I love this. I just learned wow. something. That's like the biggest thing I've always I'm like, why is this one got circles ribs and ribs and, and the other one doesn't? Yeah. But, it, it, you know, it's, it's like anything. So, like, all of that statement goes one direction as long as you're also saying that the paper pulp is the same from from those two but sure. you can go over to the american series and you've got a much harder denser paper pulp and everything i just said half of it could go out the window <laughs> <laughs> okay but that that's good to know so so maybe that the thickness of the of the paper pulp cone uh obviously contributes to maybe how much uh how much dynamics you're getting in the in the speaker is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say that's a fair statement. You know, if you ever can get your hands on a speaker just in in a retail store or at a friend's house, uh, you can just lightly with your finger tap on the cone, mm -hmm. and and you'll you'll hear you'll get a general idea of is this thing going to have a harsh top end or is it more likely to have a smooth mid range? I mean, just tap on a few on a few cones, and and you'll start to get. A, more of a feel than if you put your hands on nothing. Gotcha. So, uh, okay, let's keep going on the actual speaker anatomy here. Um, after cones, we've got uh, we've got a dust cap. Yeah. Does that, that do anything? Yeah, that does. That's going to, you know, one of the, 
two, two, the two big things that Dustcap is going to do is let you control how much top-end brightness or roll-off you have. And then uh, we have uh, – so, so a large Dustcap – you're going to have more roll off on the top end. You can, you can knock, you can tame. If you've got something that's a little too harsh, we can put a larger dust cap in there and tame that. Or if you want a lot of high end, you'll see a much smaller diameter dust cap. Uh, some guys use, you know, some speakers will have a felt dust cap that's going to soften the sound of the uh, high end. And then also we have mesh dust caps, and that's going to uh, have a whole effect on the suspension of the system because the cone and the uh, uh, dust cap are going to have less air resistance when it's trying to push in to the in and out of the uh, motor. It's really interesting because without that knowledge, you know, if I'm just looking at a speaker, uh, I can look at the difference between. Uh, I I won't get in. I won't name the the names yet on your site, but you know, I can look at one that has a smooth cone and a tiny dust cap. And then I can look at one that's got a rib cone and a fat dust cap, and I'm like, that one looks cool and awesome and meaty, you know. And, yeah. But that may not at all be what I need for my sound. And I didn't realize they had more than one purpose as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's go a little further here. And uh, sitting on top of that cone is, well, I guess connecting the cone to the outer rim that's the what it, what would we call that? Is that the suspension? Uh, that's part of the suspension too. But the the main the main part of the suspension is going to be the spider. But you know you got to have two points to to keep everything in alignment. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely the second point holding everything in alignment. And uh, you know that's that's adhesive. That's what's holding the cone to the uh, basket is the adhesive. Okay. Now. Uh, the, the, is it the foam or the flexible material that? Uh, the gasket material. The gasket material. Sure. Uh, okay. So, yeah, with, w, with guitar speakers, you're typically going to find foam, hard paper, or, or cork. And they're different densities. And in addition to front-loading or rear-loading a cabinet, um, obviously the, the, the gasket material is going to be more, more uh, uh, detectable when, it, when it's uh, a rear-loaded cabinet but it, the the differences are are really subtle if, if if you were to line up three cabinets and say when you know one was cork one was hard paper gasket and and one was foam and they're all everything else is identical i probably could not tell them apart okay it's and, very it is a very subtle difference and you so that's that's the that's the part that actually connects to your actual cabinet or in between yeah, your right, actual exactly. cabinet, right? It's if you're facing the speaker, it's that it's that material going around the circumference. Right. Of the it's usually a little bit taller than the actual metal part of the basket, so that when if you were to rear load your speaker, it'll compress that gasket against the wood of the speaker cabinet, so that you don't have the metal basket touching the wood speaker cabinet, because that would give you some sounds resonances that you know you wouldn't be crazy about. Um, and then alternatively, if you were going to load that speaker from the front, we usually uh, include a, a much thinner gasket material uh, that the user will apply themselves on, on the back part of the basket. And, and that keeps you from having metal on wood. The adhesive yeah. in which uh, other guys call doping, that, that term I heard, that's what's giving right. that paper that extra uh, elasticity. The the doping uh, occurs on a different part of the edge. So the 
the doping occurs where it's visible uh, on the the little M rolls or M shapes that you see in the edge, gotcha. and that that is to also adjust and change the 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 response you get from the speaker. Right. So that so if you're looking at a speaker online and you see the part that's clearly paper, and this is where I was kind of going into. This one looks like it's it's got a lot of muscle because it has a lot and it's got a very thick ring of that shiny adhesive and it's got a and it's got a big uh dust cap and it's got you know uh it's got ribs or you know those are the kind of things that i was like it looks like it's got more of everything so that sounds you know really good and again right. I, obviously it, it doesn't necessarily and maybe it does but those are some of the the aesthetic things that that someone if you don't know these things, it's really easy to get tripped up on and think that this is more beefy or uh, more substantial sound or something like that without really knowing. Right, right. So a lot of, you know, I would say probably the average person will will associate and, and to some degree be correct that uh, the doping is there to give the speaker a more creamy sound. Uh-huh. And, but if you're not careful, you can get too much doping on there or put doping on a speaker that, that that's not going to f- resolve the problem with the speaker to begin with. Uh, you just said a key word that we're going to hit in a couple minutes, which is that's maybe one of the funnest parts of this whole thing. <laughs> so uh, I think we've covered off on all the, the major parts. Yes? Anything I left yeah. out? Uh, I think you got it all. Okay, good. We are already that much smarter. Let's get into the characteristics of a speaker. I think one of the big ones for me is the the impedance. Um, when I was looking around for speakers to put in a, a, a new cabinet, yeah, I didn't know it was four ohms, eight ohms, sixteen ohms. What's what is the difference, and why does it matter? Um. You know, it, it's primarily it's going to be what do you have to do to make the cabinet compatible with the the amplifier. Now, you will get a uh, slightly different sound from speakers. You know, you, you'll have an option. You can wire a cabinet up for eight or sixteen ohm, depending on you know how many speakers and what setting you you choose the output on your amp. But it, that's a that's a much more subtle difference. Um, so it's not one that. I think the average person needs to get terribly wrapped up in. I think if you're more on a, a pro level and you, you have a, a tech that's working for you all the time, you know, that would be the case where somebody that has a lot of experience with the gear that you're playing could, could shed a lot of light. But as far as we, we offer, say, the ET65 speaker in both 8 and 16 ohm, uh, and, and if you have an at-home rig, and, and you're trying to decide, well, which way should I go? Really, the impedance isn't going to be the determining factor. Make sure the ET65 is the speaker that's going to generally have the sound you're after. I actually have two of those at home. Great. What do you think about them? I, oh, I love the sound of them. Yeah, and I and they're actually, I got two ET65s with some, with two 8-ohm Reapers. And so it's yeah. it's all, a, it's in a, a 412. Uh, do you have them in the X pattern, or do you have the ET65s on the? Yeah, yeah yep. that's that's one of my uh, favorite recommendations to make there. And you know, the the ET65 is a prime example of, since we're talking about the buildup of of uh, different dust caps 
and the effect they can have on your sound. So mm-hmm. the ET65 has a large dust, large mesh dust cap, yeah. and and so it reduces the back pressure. So what you have is a speaker with more low end, but a more open mid range, and and you still have a nice nice top end. Oh, and, uh-huh. and a lot of that is, is a lot of that is accomplished from the dust cap choice we made. Interesting. I, I, I'm so blown away that that little dust cap actually has so much to do with sound. Uh, who who would have thunk? I know. Well, besides you guys. Um, all right, let's get into the next big dog, and this came up early with our setup question. Maybe arguably one of the biggest questions that most people have: wattage. Low speakers versus high watt speakers. What are the benefits and or drawbacks? Uh, I'm gonna let John handle this one. He's he's got a lot of playing experience. So, uh. <laughs> well, it, you know, your obviously the output of your amplifier and the genre of music is going to be a really big influence over your your speaker choice. So, you know, you let's take like a an AC30 for instance, 30 watt amp paired with 30 watt speakers, a pair. I'm sorry, a pair of two 15 watt speakers, and matching. You know, you know, watt for watt with the with the the, the speakers of choice. You know, is part of that that end result tone. Just you know, like in in the 70s when when people were pairing 100 watt Marshalls with you know 412s with 25 watt greenbacks. You know, and getting, getting that yeah that that, that the, the cone contribution as well to that that final tone. I mean, it's it's all that recipe really really does influence the, 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 the end voicing you're going to get from your playing. So um, things to consider are, you know, if, if, you know, like, like I have a, a blues junior and it's, it's only 15 watts. Um, but if I put something that has a bigger magnet with, with more SPL, I can, I can fill the room a little bit more. It makes that 15 watt amp sound a little bit louder because that speaker magnet's a bit more efficient than what was in there previously. So you can get um, different combinations that you know, will give you high headroom. If you're using a higher wattage uh, speaker that maybe has a thicker cone, doesn't break up as early, and then you're, you're a slide player or you're doing country twang, that's the combination you, you should go for. But um, typically a lot of players like to, to match the output of the amplifier um, and give give the speakers a little bit a little bit of room because as we all know sometimes these amps have you know spikes from the wall that can that can get fed through the cabinet so um, so you, you mentioned headroom and just I know that that's a term that we hear a lot but can you just describe that real quick for us headroom is the amount of, of volume and wattage you can put behind your speaker before it breaks up now some speakers are designed to, to break up early they're, they're designed for gain they're, de- they're designed for you know different styles of music so somebody like a like I said a country player or, or, or a slide player they're not looking for a lot of early breakup they want that headroom they want the speaker to be be as clean uh, as possible um, at, at, you know and more under more demanding situations if they're using a lot of a lot of volume um, and somebody like me who plays a lot of heavy music, I, I want some of that breakup earlier with, with a lot of low end, so I'm not looking for something with a lot of high headroom. I see. Um, now, I, I, I hope I'm not going to get down a rabbit hole and, and just say, say the word taco if I'm about to. That's <laughs> <laughs> the safe word. Yeah. So <laughs> if you are somebody who maybe play, is doing a lot of like overdrives, distortions, fuzz, heavy duty stuff. In theory, you want it ultimately, you want a broken up sound. But if you know going into it, like let's say you have that AC15 and I'm running this Devi Ever fuzz pedal that I just got 
and maybe a boost. Am I going to want something that has more headroom in order to maintain more uh, that extra volume or do I want something that is going to break up earlier or, or is that going to conflict with those pedals? Um, I think something that is high headroom, you know, something like a, like the WGS 12L, you know, cast frame, two inch coil, you know, 200 Watts. It, it, it's, it's, it breaks up. You can put some gain through it, but it, it, it's, it performs better with, with, with cleaner, slightly overdriven tones, in my opinion. Okay. Um, so you're putting something like a Debbie ever, which is an aggressive raunchy fuzz sound, which it, it, you'll, you're going to get some of that through something like a 12 L. But, but if that's, if you want to bring the best out of that type of circuit and that tone that that pedal produces, you're going to want something more like a veteran 30 or a retro 30 that that's designed to complement breakup and can handle the aggressive nature of that, that pedal. Okay. Gotcha. You know, we mentioned, you were talking about the, the myths and stuff. And, uh, I know that you just explained in great detail what, you know, what, happens with wattage and breakup and stuff, but are you going to be in trouble uh, in any way, shape, or form, whether it's you're not going to get the sound or you're actually going to be, it's going to be detrimental to your equipment if you, you know, if you throw in like a hundred, uh, a 75 watt speaker into something that is run at 15 watts? I've done warranty stuff for years. I have yet to Get, get a claim that, that somebody was pairing, um, you know, an 80 or 100 watt speaker with a five watt amp and destroyed the amp or, or had any issue that way. Um, so you're probably just not going to get the sound that you would Just like Dave was saying, some of these, you know, higher wattage speakers, they're, they're designed for higher wattage because that's, you know, typically how they sound their best. There are obviously, you know, exceptions to the rule, but if you have a, you know, 60, 80, 100 watt speaker, it's, it's going to sound its best when you're really giving it some wattage. Okay, that's good to know. When I was originally doing this, um, that was one of the biggest confusing part. I'm like, well, wait a minute. What wattage do I pick? Dad, burn it. Like, there's all these different wattages, and no, you know, I, I didn't know what I should be going for. And I, I figured that music style does have a lot to do with this. So I'm, I'm not a guy who's sitting up there with a little tweed on a stage doing blues licks. You know, I'm giving it the gas. But if I was a guy doing the blues licks, I might want a lower wattage speaker. Is that fair to say? A lower wattage speaker and or the efficiency you need to pay attention to, the, the SPL. So typically, um, like the M magnet, the 35-ounce magnets, typically they're around a 97 dB efficiency. Um, it's not too aggressive, still very full sounding, still very complements a real well-rounded uh, voicing for you know the mid-range of an electric guitar, but you jump up to an H magnet, typically typically you get around a, a hundred dB, and with that bigger magnet, you get a bigger voicing, um, a little bit you know like Dave said, you know, more tighter low end, a bit more on the top end, and a real formidable mid-range. Um, Al Nichols tend to also be around the the hundred dB um, range, and you get you know that 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 you know, bell-like chimey quality for the top end and a real rich, complex mid-range while still having that low-end thump that, that you expect you know, or you're familiar with from um, ceramic. Uh, Neo is where it gets a little funky. So the great thing about Neo is you can use a very little amount, and it's, and it's still really powerful. It's a really Neodymium. powerful magnet. Yeah, neodymium, really lightweight, really powerful. 
problem, like Dave was saying, for the electric guitar, it isn't very complimenting so far. With bass and live sound, they said that they're great. But with the electric guitar, you're typically getting a lot, way too much detail and articulation and top end. It can really result with a very unbalanced voicing. Um, but, you know, like Dave was hinting at, we are, we are in development and we've made great strides with, with that motor material. But given the trend of, of you know, I think you'll agree 10, 15 years ago, you, you saw a lot more 412s out there. And here we are 10, 15 years later, we're not, we're not seeing nearly as many 412s. Um, and guys are carrying these really heavy combos. So anytime they could take out, you know, two, um, two 10, 10 pound speakers and replace them with two, two five pound Neos and shave 10 pounds off their combo is huge. But yeah. they're, to date, there's still a, a big tonal compromise with that. Interesting. So frequency range, if, if I'm going to go on your website and I play rock and roll, like what, what kind of frequency range am I going to look for as a guitar player? Taco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> okay. So um, maybe we don't have to go that far into it, but can you give us a, just a general, like, what does that, what does that mean? Um, so the, so the frequency response for a speaker, um, really dictates the application. So guitar, they're mid-range instruments. They, they don't really go, um, too low. Um, you know, so if you plug a bass, a bass guitar into your blues junior or whatever guitar amp you have, eventually you're going to blow those speakers because that instrument is producing frequencies. Those drivers are not designed to handle. Um, PA speakers often cross over with, with bass guitar because right. it's the application that dictate, I'm sorry, it's the design of the speaker that can dictate the application. Right. So since PA and, uh, bass produce similar frequencies, you can, you can comfortably, um, use PA speakers with, with, uh, uh the right PA speakers with, with a bass amp. Um, with, with guitar, you gotta, you, you know, for, for the most part, you're, if you're, if, if you're doing, just straight ahead, standard tuning stuff. There's, you know, you, you can pretty much go with any choice. You'll benefit your playing, you know, depending on the, you know, it's, it's the, the right impedance, then the right water, et cetera. So we don't um, need to necessarily fret over, um, you know, a, a number or two off of either end of the frequency range when we're talking about just straight up guitar type stuff. Well, the, the problem is now, we have eight string guitars, seven string guitars. Guys are tuning down and, and you know, the whole doom thing. It, it's, it's music's evolving. And if you're, if you're doing something like that, if you're doing the gent thing or something that's really emphasizing the low end and your, 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 your instrument is crossing over into bass territory, then you should be a bit more conscious about what driver you're choosing. If you're playing that really heavy stuff, I would recommend a larger magnet higher wattage speaker for the efficiency and because it can, can it can capably handle the low end your instrument is putting out into your guitar amp. Okay. Okay. That's that, that those are all good things that we just learned. Or if you're playing <laughs> um progressive like prog mandolin. Prog uh, mandolin, I mean <laughs> go with a regular, you know, green beret or <laughs> Okay. Um so we got uh all right, so what We've heard a few things. Uh, we're going to do a subtle segue here. We've heard a few terms that have gotten thrown out. And, you know, the guitar world is notorious for um, 
their our use of adjectives. Uh, an adjective is a descriptor. So I want to cover off on a couple of these. And from a speaker standpoint, I would like you guys to give it your best description of w- what this means to me if I'm hearing uh, uh, somebody else say, well, this is really this or this is really that, what does it mean? So I'm going to fire off some terms here. Dark. Uh, typically, if someone describes a, a tone as being dark, it's, it's, it doesn't have the top-end presence they're, they're normally familiar with. How about warm? Like, that sounds really warm, warm man. Warmth is, is really... Um, something that's indicative, I think, of, of most people associated with mid-range. If, if something is is really mid-range present, there there it adds a certain certain warmth to to the tone. Um, that being said, even you know you can have some warm tones with a slightly scooped mid-range, but I think warmth is really associated with with the mid-range presence. How about bright? Bright is something that's you know it's it's has a lot of top end uh, treble presence and um, something you'll hear with, you know, some of these Nashville chicken picking guys and, and that, that snap and that, that bright snap that cuts through. That's something that's really a part of that style and, and necessary. How about sparkly? Is that different? Um, sparkly, I hear that is so commonly associated with um, describing El Nico tones if, or, yeah. or even some American speakers if they're they're sparkly and jangly it's like it's like a lively top end okay creamy (laughs) creamy can be indicative of the voicing and the breakup if if something is just a really well-rounded tone and and the breakup is super smooth and and doesn't hit the ear harsh and it's just really pleasant in every area of the frequency range um i think people describe that as being creamy that sounds really good. Like, I, I, I want whatever that is. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a great speaker. Well, yeah, it sounds soothing. Brittle. Brittle is synonymous, in my opinion, with, with harsh and somewhat weak. If, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, cut through and, and the voicing is just thin and just falls apart and you're not, you know, you're hitting the guitar and and it's just not, the speaker just isn't giving it to you. And for a variety of reasons, it could end up with just this this brittle, weak response out of your playing. Okay. Boomy. Boomy. Um, Boomy is something I would describe as uncontrollable low end. So, no matter what your tone stack is set at and no matter how you're controlling instrument with, with palm muting, et cetera, sometimes there's just a low end presence that just gets away from you for whatever reason. Like I had a, a 335 and, and the original stock Gibson pickups were, they sounded good, except in my opinion, they were just too boomy. No matter you know what I played on the, the lower notes, it, it just, it was, the low end just got away from me in a, in a very unpleasant uh, fashion. So I swapped it out for uh, some Lawlers and an RS kit, and it quickly tightened it up while, while still retaining, you know, the, the low-end presence I needed. How about the, <laughs> what about Boxy? And... Boxy is, you know, it's 
something small and, and one dimensional, you know, with speakers, you want dispersion. You, you, you know, people say, yeah, that speaker sounds great. It's really pushing some air. It's really filling the room. Um, and PA guys know this the most, you know, they have to design a, a box or a line array to, to project and to disperse and have a, 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 a wide, you know, sonic distribution, a wide footprint. So if something is, is boxy, it's, it's, it sounds small. It's, it's, it's one dimensional. It's not filling the room. Okay. Okay. And last one, maybe our favorite, flappy or farty. Farty is when... <laughs> it's not my favorite one. <laughs> farty and flappy. Um, it's you know when you're you're doing some playing and maybe you're 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 hitting some lower notes and the low end just it just kind of falls apart so some you know if you're playing aggressive styles of music and you're really laying into it the volume and you're you know doing some palm muting or whatever and it just kind of just falls apart it just kind of gives it away it doesn't it doesn't hold together it's, it's it's not it loses its 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 density and that's what you know flappy farty is it just kind of speaker just just farts out literally <laughs> wow okay <laughs> oh so he said he said flappy not flabby no but i mean i guess those things are kind of all the same sounding like yeah yeah it would all go hand in hand flappy and flabby and, it's all not good yeah you don't want none of that do we <laughs> it stinks. You know, I've always wondered. I would hear people describe tones as a brown sound or use yeah, colors. That's a big one. And that's a big one, right? Well, I, I can't remember this artist's name, but I was watching uh, one of the late night shows uh, a couple weeks ago, and this artist comes on. She starts talking about she literally sees colors when she hears music. And I was like, what? Is that really possibly where all of this came from? It's called synesthesia when a person literally sees colors for the sounds that they hear. And there's people out there that will even make paintings based on, on the songs they're hearing. So I just think it's interesting. I wish I could, <laughs> I wish I could have that for you know, a few yeah, songs man, that would be, to see it. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am I, – my brain is, is – uh, at about like 50 to 75% capacity. So there's room for a little bit more here. Uh, I know that, you know, when you go to your website and you start looking at speakers, one of the, one of the things that are key to each of your product page or product detail pages is the uh, specifications tab under which is a whole lot of technical mumbo jumbo that I don't understand. And I would venture to guess that the, your average Joe guitar player doesn't know either. But it's clearly important because you have it on every one of your products. And I know that it is there for differentiation purposes and understanding why is the speaker different to this one. It's, it's Those specifications are there more for the OEMs and uh, the manufacturers and the amateur box builders, the DIY guys, because um, even though you know, in the world of audio, guitar cabinets are fairly primitive. Um, you can build a box in a variety of sizes, and you're most likely going to get a, a, a decent performance out of it. Um, obviously, you know, better dimensions are, are going to uh, uh, affect different different attributes of, uh, of the tone. So um, 
even though they're up there, the average end user who isn't building their box doesn't need to pay attention to that. That's really for um, guys that are built, trying to build their own box and, and want to know, you know, how much, you know, internal volume and, and the, the dimensions they need to watch out for when using a certain speaker. Okay. Um, so it's fair to say that when you go on the website, maybe the most important thing for the, again, the average Joe player is the actual description that you guys have up uh, the, the, the worded description and not get lost or feel inadequately prepared to make a decision if you're looking at the specs. Yeah, I mean the feel small parameters are aren't are really there to 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 help you make a, a tonal selection. What's what's there to help you make a tonal selection is is uh, like you said, description, YouTube channel, uh, the audio clips we provide. Yeah, those um, are very helpful. Yes, that's that's really what you should be paying attention to when when making your speaker choice. In addition to, um, you know, the the efficiency like like we talked about the magnet material if you want something that's that's warmer and traditional you're going to go with ceramic uh, if you need something that's going to give you a little bit more volume higher SPL um, higher efficiency make sure you know the, you're you're pairing the right wattage speaker and, and impedance with the amplifier those are those are the key things that I think most players need to watch out for. Well, there's one more thing. You need to look at the artists that are using this, the product as well. That's a great reference, absolutely. So, yep. you know, if you're if you want to get you know certain tones from your favorite artist, see what gear they're using, see what 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 speakers are are in their rig, and that will absolutely help guide you to make the right decision. Oh, so much knowledge. All right, so we're gonna take since we're talking about what's going on in your site and your product specifically because you are the guest warehouse guitar speakers. So uh, approaching your site, two of the biggest things that we see are British and American. As far as we kind of have two paths that we can go by, what, what do those mean to us? Gives you a, uh, a kind of a, a ballpark of the voicing of the speakers. So the, the British speakers generally have uh, m more of a warm mid-range and um, – the American voice speakers, uh, they generally have more of a uh, brighter, more of an attack to them, a little bit less uh, cone breakup than the British stuff. British stuff generally has a lot more cone breakup. Okay. Is there – those are the really two just sort of overriding factors. If we want something um, that wants to be maybe a little bit creamier or more breakup-y, uh, we go down the British path potentially. If we want something that's cleaner, got a little bit more punch, a little more pronounced, higher in bottom end, you want to go American? Is that fair? Yep. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And you, when I associate British, I think of Orange and Marshall. And when I think of American amps, I think of like, you know, Fender. Pretty yeah. Much. And that. That thought process fits along. That's the message that we were trying to convey with the uh, the two product lines and, and their naming. Uh, so that that's right. That's the way to do it. And and also a lot of guys um, they may have a Fender or some American voiced amp that is too bright, and they have trouble finding a speaker that'll tame it, and they want they just want to get a new amp, but. A lot of times they can take a British voice speaker and and slip in that amp and and tame it like they're looking for. Got it. That's that's super. Well, that's gonna that's a good segue 
into our, uh, I, I guess maybe our, our final part of this, which is now that we're armed with all this knowledge, very specific knowledge, we've got a couple questions that are uh, interpretive in nature. So um, I'm just going to go through them. Wh- which, which guitars favor maybe select speakers, um, you know, i.e. a telly, might like an American or Les Paul might like a British. Is there, is there a general overriding um, direction on that? Um, there's so many variables with that because you could put, you know, some hot pickups in a telly and, and, and stray away from, you know, the traditional styles of music that instrument it was designed for. Mm-hmm. So it's really not necessarily the guitar, but it, it's, it could, it, it's the pickups and the style of music and the circuit that you're, that you're pairing the speak up, the, the speakers with will, will really, um, steer your choice. Okay. Does speaker size matter to tone? Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know, with a ten-inch speaker, you're you're typically going to get more of an upper mid-range and, and top-end emphasis, while the the low end is is present but in a, in a greatly reduced amount. Um, and you know, twelve inches are you know much more fuller sounding as as you would expect. Um, and you know, fifteens, which which are nearly as used as you know twelves and tens. Um, they can give you the headroom and, uh, you know, a low-end thump that, that you aren't experiencing with, uh, you know, the, the other speaker sizes. So, yeah, they, it absolutely plays a, plays a role. Okay. And also, uh, a larger speaker is having to move a, a much larger volume of air. Yeah. So, the response time is going to be different in a larger speaker versus a smaller speaker, which is what attributes all the things John just mentioned. Okay. Yeah, why do we think that vintage speakers sound better? What gives it all that magic? You know, anything. I don't think it's just speakers. I think it's you know guitars. You know, you know guys are searching for early '80s TS 808s. I mean, there's it, it, it goes well past speakers. But I think with, with the speaker particularly, it's because it is a moving part. And when you have a moving part that's been used literally for decades, and it's been in in the environment it needs to be to to stay healthy all that time. You, you get a you you get a vintage character that is unachievable any other way. Like it's broken. Yeah, in. I mean there are tricks guys do by putting you know acetone and different chemicals on the on the spider and removing doping it et cetera. But when you do that, you're taking years of life off the speaker. So yeah. unless you're you're a regularly working professional who's performing and recording on a, on a near daily basis and you need a certain tone, I don't advise um, chemically altering. The, the build of, of your speakers. Just just play them normally and practice more and, you know, break them in the old-fashioned way. Got but, it. you know, vintage speakers, there's, you know, there, there, there is something to that. I've heard great examples and I've heard not so great. It, it's, it's like anything else. And they can get tired after a while. So no matter, you know, what that pulp formula is, if it's, if it's just been beat to hell for four decades, it, it's going to show when you play it. <laughs> Got it. Uh, this is a real big one. How much does your cabinet affect your speaker choice? Ooh. Open back, close back, materials. Wow. Yeah, that's 
it, it's absolutely a factor. I, you know, because like I said, I, I play like a lot of heavier stuff. I prefer, I prefer close back because you get more of that low end reinforcement with a close back. Um, that being said, I have a, a pair of uh, Forte 112 speaker cabinets, which are one of some of my favorite cabinets. It's a shame they're not around anymore. They're excellent. It's kind of, Kind of like a, a blend of a closed back and an open back. Has you know, those? I don't know if you're familiar with the product. Has those two vents on, on the side of, of the cabinet with a with a closed back design, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit. You get a little bit of you know best of both worlds with with that with that cabinet. But um, yeah, for for most of my most of my playing, it's all it's all closed back. Um, if you want something that isn't so, um, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but isn't so low end. Formidable is it is doesn't have all that low end punch. You want to dial that back a little bit and kind of have more of a a, a lighter area feel. Then um, uh, yeah, open back is 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 something you should you should definitely investigate. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of actually mid in betweeners there. I know the cabinet that I have right now is kind of a a half open back, is kind of like a okay. box almost. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, half back, and you know, there's a lot of cabs where you can do both. You can you can take the back off yeah. and, and experiment. So that's, that's what mine that, is. That's a that's a great option for players who don't really know what the best choice is for them. Okay, um, Jared, I'm going to hijack this one because this is one of my biggest questions that I've had, and I've I, I will dabble with this at some point. But what are the benefits and or drawbacks of mixing your speakers into a signal cabinet? So let's say you got a two twelve. You're going to go two different speakers. Um, benefits are your it's it's another way players can really individualize their tone and really really customize it to to, to benefit them. Um, drawbacks are you should be aware of the efficiency of the two speakers that you're that you're pairing. Um, you can have good luck mixing um, different impedances, uh, but I try to. Keep them both the same efficiency. I want I want an even uh, performance out of out of both drivers. Uh, sometimes if you're if you're using one that's 97 dB and the other's 100, depending on the voicing and how that speaker is designed, that that 100 dB speaker can just just overpower uh, what the 97 dB speaker is trying to do. Um, and you want to pay attention to to the voicing. You you want them to be slightly different, but not so different that they're they're stepping on each other. You 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 want these 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 speakers to kind of weave their 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 tones together and produce something that that you you couldn't get any other way. So as far as voicing and and all that kind of thing, and and that kind of brings me to uh, cabinet grills. Should my cabinet grill, you know, if it's metal grill or cloth, um, it, should that influence what speaker I choose? Uh, it will it will influence the the tone so you know the old Marshall you know basket weaves etc um, they you know some some of that that grill cloth it, it attenuates the high end to a certain degree so that 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 material whether it's a metal grill you know traditional cloth whatever it is it, it can influence that 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 tonal response you're gonna get so yeah, people say no matter how dirty it is keep the original grill cloth on there yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. so there's some truth to that what what about the metal grill i know that that is um uh whether it's perforated or i mean if you have sort of like the diamond you know punch out kind of thing obviously your the air is going to go through that pretty well but what about i know that i've seen a lot that have that sort of like perforated metal 
Yeah, I don't. I'm not seeing them as much anymore. Um, I know Mesa has uh, had a had a cab back in the day, and I have one of those cabinets. Yeah. That's the only one I. <laughs> I, I but um, Carmen yeah, had one too, I believe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it does have a bit of a an unfiltered feel, where it is just speaker it's just fair. projecting and pushing air right through the grill. So um, I'm not seeing that as much anymore, but. Yeah, there is there is a difference. You are getting a little bit more more top end when you're when you're when your cabin is just um, you know perforated grill, like you said, as opposed to uh, a sheet of cloth around the the entire face of the enclosure. Right. Gotcha. Woo wee! Holy moly! I learned a whole lot. Um, can I ask you guys to now squish that into a bite size finger sandwich and just give us like, <laughs> hey, you know. Give us a give us a couple key takeaways. I'm gonna I'm on the I'm on the prowl for a new speaker. I I I'm. What are my top couple of takeaways that I should be mindful of? Just a few things. Bottom line is you, you know the whether guitar pedal pickup speaker manufacturer we're we're providing tools for you guys to express yourself and there's no wrong answer um, with, with 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 how to do that. Just as long as you're using the right impedance, it has the right power handling. And you, you've done your research to, to make sure that the build of that component is, is going to complement the genre of music you, you're investing yourself in. But other than that, you know, there, there are no rules. So have fun. Check out as much gear as, you're, uh, as, as possible and, and get inspired. Thank you guys so much. This has been hugely helpful. I hope for everybody who's listening that you feel enlightened and empowered to go get into some awesome speakers and not be scared about it. And if you got questions, you know, you can always, you know, email WGSUSA.com. So please feel free to reach out and, and we'll help you any way we can. Excellent. All right. Let's get out of Speakerville and head. Well, we're kind of still in Speakerville. Right. So let's do our. Would you rather? Would you no. rather? <laughs> yeah. So we've got a fun one this time. We were talking about speakers, and speakers go in things. That's right. So would you rather have, you've got some awesome speakers, would you rather throw them in a custom brand, Gold Sparkle? Custom with a K. With a K, like the... The tuck and roll. Oh, oh, yeah. The beautiful, old, you know, crazy-looking speedboat material. I love those things. Or... Are you going to go Marshall white snake skin? Okay, John. I'm going I'm going with the sleazy Marshall white white snake skin. <laughs> <laughs> Don't qualify that or anything. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Uh any particular reason why? Uh those bubble jacket custom things just ugh. <laughs> Gold spark. It's more like, you know, if I was a Las Vegas lounge act, then all day custom gold spark. Right. <laughs> okay. All right, Jared. Oh, man, I'm I'm custom all the way. Gold. Sp- give me the gaudy <laughs> sparkle speedboat. Glorious. Jared loves anything sparkly. Yeah. I'll wear bell bottoms, too. Well, that, <laughs> okay. David. I'm snakeskin. Just all the way. There you go. Okay. Any particular reason? That's that's just uh, I guess uh, that's the, the, given the two choices. You know, <laughs> it's it's a lesser it's a lesser of two evils. Uh, you know, I was born in the '80s, so I mean, it's just fitting. Yeah, yeah. 
I get you. We'll match your boots. At least I didn't, at least we didn't say <laughs> purple snakeskin because right. those exist and they're awful. Um, I've seen them. I'm going gold sparkle custom Yay. for sure because it kind of lends itself to some of the music I play, which is sort of uh, um, it isn't what you think. It isn't Las Vegas lounge, and it isn't um, full on. It's not glam or anything. It's sort of dirty Detroit kind of stoogy you know so i was like yeah put oh, that yeah. in there you want an old beat up one but i want the tall one with like the like the vertical the vertical so crazy 412s. <laughs> custom came out with some crazy stuff back in the day man yeah all right well awesome you guys this has been so much fun we're so glad that you came and did this for us and um i i really hope that uh our audience uh it can go out there and and get some awesome tones and Hopefully visit your website to do so. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. All right. So, you know, the guys over here at uh, Warehouse Guitar Speakers are uh, got a little something for everybody out there. And by everybody, I mean not just the people who are uh, interested in purchasing, but I think this is a, an admirable thing. It's going to potentially help a lot of people. Go ahead, guys. We absolutely want to support the community that that's been so good to us over the years. So if, if you're a victim of uh, Hurricane Harvey or Hurricane Irma um, and, and need assistance getting your rig back together with, you know, getting getting some speakers, uh, please think of WGS. We absolutely will will go to bat and, and, and get you the right discount, the biggest discount we can and uh, help you get your, your rig up and running. Guys, thank you so much. That's uh, a very generous offer. And I'm sure everybody out there that is affected uh, is happy to hear that. So we'll make sure that they get the message in every way possible. It's been quite a show. All right, everybody. So we want to thank our executive producers, Tom Barazin and Martin Cliff and David Wolfson and Matt Brammer and Carlos Mancha Ooh. for their support. Thank you. And they are good friends of ours now. They're patrons. Yeah. So, hey, if you want to become an executive producer, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs to find out how. And I'll say your name clearly so everybody can hear it. All right, everybody. One thing left to say. Thank you to Warehouse Guitar Speakers and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for these knobs please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.